That's the Bob Account Podcast. You are uh, listening on uh, your favorite podcast provider or perhaps on Sirius XM Channel 167. It's Bob McCown. It's John Shannon. Hello, Robert. Hello, John. You say that with such great somberness. Oh, I know. Lack of enthusiasm. Are you kidding me? I'm always enthusiastic. You know that as well as you know that as well as anybody. Particularly when we have a great guest. Well, we have one today. Um Steven Stamkos is going to join us. He is the captain. Well, everybody knows this. He's the captain of the Tampa Bay Lightning. He's a two-time Stanley Cup champion. He is. And um, well, here's a question for you before we talk to him. How good would he have been or could he have been if it hadn't been for the numerous serious injuries that he has suffered over the course of his career? Well, you know, first of all, he had the broken leg and then he had the blood disorder, too. You know, he, he, and, and really at the age of 32, he might be playing some of the best hockey of his career, but it's taken time, Bob. It oh, has yeah. taken time for him to get back to the elite level. Um, and, uh, it's it really quite fascinating to see how well he's playing the game now and playing it with so much joy, like he's having fun out there right now. Well, we're going to talk to him about a whole a variety of things. Um, from, um, you know, winning back-to-back Stanley Cups to um, his relationship with his coach and, and, and maybe even something about the Olympics because uh, there was, a, I think, a pretty good chance that he was going to go. Oh, he was going to be on the team. Yeah, yeah, no I, I think so. Yeah. And um, that opportunity was uh, not afforded him. Um, so you and I will shut up for a minute and uh, take a quick break. And then Steve Stamkos, when we continue after these messages, McCown and Shannon back uh, with you, and um, we're pleased to be joined by um, Stephen Stamkos, who joins us from Winnipeg, and uh, nice to see you. It's been a while. How's your golf game? It has. It's been kind of non-existent the past couple of years. I have two young boys now, and haven't spent a lot of time at, at home the past couple off-seasons, but uh, it's, been, it's been for good reason. Yeah, last time, last time, John, uh, Steve, and I ran into each other was in the parking lot at Goodwood, I think. And, you, mean, uh, you mean near that that glamorous, uh, illustrious clubhouse? <laughs> <laughs> we we liked that, didn't we? Didn't we, didn't you like the fact there was no clubhouse? I love it. I still love it. Uh, how are things with the family? Uh, you know, there's a whole there's a big change when you start having uh, little ones, huh? There, there certainly is. It's one of the best things that's ever happened to me. I have two young boys now, a two and a half year old and uh, a four month old. So it's been uh, quite the change. Like I said, the golf game has suffered, but everything else has, has become uh, all about them. And uh, it's been a, it's been an amazing experience so far. It might be, this might be a difficult question to answer, but you know, you've grown up in front of us, you know, from the days of being drafted from Sarnia and, going to Tampa and then the questions about, oh, are you going to sign in Toronto? And now you, you go back and sign with the lightning. Um, we feel that we know you, we, we feel that you're, you're a, you're a Canadian celebrity, but, <laughs> but, but at the same time, you know, getting a family, I saw your son trying to drive the Zamboni the other day. I thought that was yeah. cool. Um, do you, has that helped your game of hockey? Has it helped you balance your life to make your hockey better? For sure. I think, I mean, playing in, in Tampa certainly helps that from the get-go. Um, you know, it's it's a little different lifestyle and atmosphere in, in Tampa, especially the past couple of years when things are going well. There's not much uh, that's being said negatively about anything that, that has to do with our hockey team. So so that helps. But having kids just puts, puts things puts life in, in general and in, into a different perspective. You know, you, you come home after a, a a crappy game or whatever. And, um, the next day your, your son's waking you up at seven in the morning, wanting to play mini sticks. And it's, it's tough not to, you know, have a smile on your face and completely forget about what happened the night before. Whereas, you know, before, you know, sometimes that stuff lingers in, in your mind for a little bit and, and it affects the way you are uh, away from the rink. So it, it just puts things into a, a perspective. I I've quickly learned that 
things don't revolve around me in, in my house anymore. Um, <laughs> not that they, they did. Welcome to they, the rest were, of the world, Stephen. Yeah. <laughs> right. right. So it's, uh, that, that was a little bit of a wake up call for, for, for me with my wife, but, um, it's been, it's been so good. And I love sharing the, the experience. I mean, my, my oldest one is really kind of getting into the game of hockey now and, um, he's starting to love it and watch the games. And obviously, a pretty big celebrity in, in the NHL world with, with his love for Zamboni. So it's, it's been a lot of fun. Uh, you get back to uh, back home, back to Toronto, the Toronto area much. I know you, you got family here, but it, we've had COVID the last couple of years. Yeah, it's, it's been tough. And we really made an effort to come home last summer. I wanted to, to bring the cup back home to, to Markham and actually brought it out to, to Goodwood for a couple hours and, and showed the boys, uh, Willie and, and Mace there, the, the cups <laughs> that was, that was fun. That that was, like you said, I have so many friends and family that have helped me to get where I am. Um, the first year not being able to bring the cup home because of COVID was was really tough. So we made a, a big effort to get it back home. We had an amazing couple of days with it, with with all our friends and family, and spent about four weeks uh, at home before we came back to Tampa. I'm sure you've answered this question, but the, the first cup was won in the bubble. The second cup was won in front of 19,000 crazy fans. Uh, was one more special than the other? Well, it's 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 so tough to say. I think for for me especially, um, the second one just hit home a little more because I was part of it every single minute. You know, the 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 bubble cup um, was still amazing. Obviously, only played the 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 one game, which was you know one of the most magical moments I've had in in, in my career. But they were just different, you know, and in, in the bubble, it, it was such a grind and people didn't realize how hard it was to, you know, to stay there for as long as we had to do going all the way and, and then winning it. And then it was unique. We were just with the, the, the party of 50, you know, that were in that bubble from day one, the players and the staff. And we got to celebrate the cup that entire night in Edmonton with just them. And that was kind of unique. Usually there's, 500 people in the dressing room the, the minute you bring that cup in after, which was the case, you know, last year, which was amazing as well. We kind of, we got to do both. And I think that's, that's very unique, obviously to, to the world that we live in now. Um, that's just how it was. But I think last year winning it at home in front of our fans and, and all the family, that was how you envisioned it as a kid and dreamt about it as a kid. And it happened and, and it was amazing. Actually, you got you you guys got lucky and you were in the bubble, but you got lucky because you actually got to get out of the Toronto bubble and travel. Yeah. Which, which changed the, in changing your environment. I know you went from hotel to room to hotel room, but in changing the environment, I think probably refreshed you a little bit, didn't it? Yeah, I think it did. Absolutely. Um, I mean, the, the Toronto bubble was uh, night and day be better than the Edmonton in terms of the amenities and what, you know, we could go outside and, and things right. like that. But it is, it was just kind of a mental refresher. You go from one place to another, it's new, you know, you're checking out the, you know, the new scenery, the, you know, the gym, this, that just, it was just something different. And when you're in one place for as long as we were, change is, is good sometimes. And I think that probably helped our group a, a little bit. You know, you, you obviously feel for Dallas who was in that, you know, bubble from day one and they go all the way in and, and not get it done. But um, I think that helped us for sure. And you won, you probably won two Stanley clubs faster than any other team in the history of the game. Correct. Yeah. I think it was like two in, in nine months or something like that. <laughs> so it, was, it was absolutely wild being in, in Tampa. We had the boat parades down there. It was just, something that is so unique to, to our climate and our city. And, and you saw the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they won, they, they did a boat parade too. So it was, it was a crazy, you know, year and a half of sports in, in Tampa. And hopefully it's, it's not over with yet. With uh, Steven Stamkos. I'm wondering about the hangover, uh, not just after you win one, but now you've won two in a row. There's, and, and you're, you're, you know, arguably, maybe inarguably, you're certainly among the favorites, if not the favorite to uh, make it three. Um, do you notice any changes over those years? I'm not talking about complacency necessarily, but you guys understand that 82 games is a long grind and you don't have to finish first in your division or conference. You have to make the playoffs, which you guys obviously are going to do. And then there's that ramp up 
into the uh, into the playoffs. Have you seen any of those those traditional factors? Yeah, I think last year was was a big um, kind of factor in in how we went about and and didn't finish first. We've came, I think, third in the division or whatever mm-hmm. we were last year. We got into the playoffs, and it was almost like, you know, you hear that phrase, you know, flipping a switch, and it's just thrown around so loosely. But our group, we went on the road the first two rounds, won both games um, on the road in both rounds. It was just, you know, once you get that success and you win one, that feeling that you have is, it's almost undescribable. But that's the motivation because you want that feeling again. And that's what made this group special is we had that feeling. We had pretty much the exact same team come back. And um, and it was just such a contagious thing that wanting to have that win- winning sensation again. And and that's the same thing this year. I mean, you, you, you win three in a row, that word dynasty gets thrown around a little bit. And that doesn't get thrown around too much in sports. So no. I, I think that in itself is that extra motivation shirts. Listen, it's going to be tough. Like you mentioned, we're one of, you know, so many, maybe 10 teams that are legitimate Stanley cup contenders this year. And you get in the playoffs, anything can happen, but I think we're a group that's comfortable getting in no matter how we get in. And then, you know, starting the process. You, you weren't, you're not the first time around. I'm guessing you're optimistic and confident to a certain extent but unsure about whether you guys can climb that, that mountain. The second time around, was there a sense, did you sense significant additional confidence in the team? You've done it once. All right. We now kind of expect to be able to do it again. Yeah. You you certainly build on, on those experiences and everyone talks about it. You know, this team has experience, this team does it, but sure. You know, with what happened to us in, in 2018 and everyone always brings that up. So I might as well bring it up myself getting swept by, by Columbus there that stung this group extremely hard. And we went out, the management went out, give them a ton of credit and address some needs that needed to be filled in our lineup. And, um, and they did that aggressively. And then you have your big guys that, you know, every year you look at the teams that win, you need your, your top players to to produce and you look at our team it was no different so you need that combination but you also need that that quiet confidence and then and last year looking at, at at the teams we had to go through I mean we went through Florida we went through Carolina we went through the Islanders I mean it was it was a grind but at no time did we ever think that you know we couldn't win especially game seven against the Islanders we were home in Tampa Eastern Conference Finals you win you go to the final I've never seen a group that calm before such a big game. And I think you, you just fall back on your experiences and, and you know how to react in those situations. Who's your biggest rival? You know what? It's, it's That's a great question because obviously being in the, the market that we're in, there's not that natural rival, that that original six rival. I, I would say now it's the Florida Panthers. Um, mm. They have an amazing team the past couple of years. I thought that was probably some of the best or most entertaining playoff hockey was that first round against Florida last year. I mean, it had everything. It had the emotion. It had the fights. It had the scrums after the whistle. The skill was off the charts in some of the players on on both teams. It was just entertaining hockey. You know, it went six games, you know, either team probably could have won, but um, with the way they've really come on the, the past couple of years, there's, you could kind of sense that hatred starting to develop and um, we'll probably, you know, if, if you're going to win the cup this year, you're going to have to go through them. I mean, it's interesting because I, I, up until this year, I would have told you it was Washington. Yeah. Cause you guys have had a couple of really good playoff series against Washington. Some of you haven't, haven't won. Some of them actually, you were ahead and then kind of fell apart the last couple of games. Um, right. But, and I would argue too, that Florida needs you more than you need Florida. <laughs> when you think about it from a, from a purely from a, an attendance perspective, you know, you, you guys are the big dogs and, and they've been trying to catch you. Uh, and your town has become a pure and utter hockey town. It's amazing down there what they've done. Yeah. It's, you know, I've been, this is my 14th year now. It's, it's crazy how, how time flies, but it's come a long way since I've been here and, and it, it started, you know, with 
Jeff Finnick and, and, you know, him coming in and bringing the people in, you, you know, obviously brought like Wiki in, you brought Eiserman in, you know, they bring John Cooper in. I mean, it, it was just, you could sense that things were starting to change and the credibility of our franchise went through the roof. And, you know, obviously we, we have the talent that we have and we've had the success, but it, it started then. And, you know, I think we've had whatever, 10 straight years of sellouts or whatever it's now it's it's crazy the the how it just kind of flies under the radar a a, a little bit up until the past couple years in terms of it being a hockey town and you know before even tom Brady, you know we were above the bucks before tom brady got to town too so i mean that changed things a little bit when when brady got there we'll see now that he's left but it's uh it's an amazing place to to play and, and to raise a family it's it's been great I would argue that the first four or five years you were there, you could walk down the street and you could be in Ybor City and not have anybody walk up to you, but uh, you'd have a difficult time going anywhere now, correct? Yeah, it's it, it, you know what? I always I always say we have the perfect amount of notoriety around town. You can still fly under the radar <laughs> if you want, but it, there's certainly times if you need a reservation anywhere, or you need to get anywhere, you're 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 fine. So it's it's a great balance. That's what I tell everyone. I mean, you can still go to the beach. You can still go to the golf course or go to the mall and, and relatively, you know, you're going to get the odd fan, but they're, they're really respectful of, of, of your time and, and what you do for the city. And, and we have yeah. some amazing fans in Tampa. You, you brought up John Cooper's name. Uh, and, and there have been times over your 14 years that people would contest that you and John weren't necessarily on the same page. Was that fair? No, I don't, I, I don't think that's fair. I don't think we were ever not on the same page. I mean, there's, um, there's things that, that you learn as you go on as, as a player and as a leader and as a captain and, and the relationship with, with the coach is one of those things. I've, I've always had a great working relationship with, with Coop. Uh, obviously there's going to be stories when, you know, you don't live up to the expectations as, as a team, people are going to look for some things and, and, you know, obviously the free agency and all that, but, you know, I've, I've grown a lot as, as a leader and as a player, and, and he's grown a lot as, as a coach and as a leader of our, of our team. And um, the respect factor has, has always been there. So um, obviously, you know, it, it helps when, when you finally get, you know, to, to the end and, and you win it. And now everything is, is, is obviously great in, in everyone else's <laughs> eye, but it's, it's all, it's always, it's always been good. Sure. You're never, you're never going to agree with, with your boss all the time. Um, that's the reality of, of any job, I think, but um, the respect factor is, is there. And I, I think, um, you know, he's been what here for 10 years now, I think the longest tenured coach. So yeah. um, he, he's done an amazing job with, with our group. Have you ever seen him as mad as the other night when he got tossed, when Wes McCauley tossed him out? I have never seen him that mad. Yeah, you don't see that often from from Coop. He's pretty uh, pretty even-keeled guy, and I think that's what works with with our group too and, and the skill that we have and the style of play. Um, you know, he, he demands a lot in terms of accountability, but he's not a yeller, he's not a screamer. So anytime he, he gets, um, it gets was, like... It was quite something. <laughs> Especially with Wes McCauley too. I I mean, Wes is is obviously a, a, a long time ref in, in the league, and usually Coop's pretty good with the uh, the veteran refs. But they didn't like each other that night. Well, Coop's been on this uh, program once or twice, John. I can't recall. Twice, exactly. yeah, twice I think. Yeah, and um, I don't pretend to know him very well, but and but he seems like a reasonable guy, uh, not prone to extreme behavior i guess we all are on occasion um you haven't had a lot of coaches during your nhl career and this one for a decade but well, he went to, he went early on listen to be in, in, well in, yeah there were yeah, it was one after you another know, i mean the, the revolving door between melrose and tockett and i mean it, it, it was it was a little difficult time early so yeah but how yeah. would you I, I guess the question i'm asking is how would you compare Coop to the guys that you worked with very early in your career? Yeah, I would say with Barry, I don't think he really even said a word to me in the 16 games that, uh, that he was coach. I was 18 years old and it was just a different dynamic back then. So um, that was, that was eye opening for me to come in the league and things were a lot different in, in Tampa from an organizational standpoint. So yeah. um 
but then talk took over and and that's what I still owe owe him a lot to to my success as as a player and especially really in the developmental stages talk was the one that really gave me the chance I I I think he saw the work that I was putting in he gave me an opportunity I I, you know later in in my first year started playing with Marty St. Louis and and just kind of took off and talk had all the confidence in the world um, with me so I always tell tell people I loved having talk as as a coach and he was kind of the guy that springboarded me to be the player um, that that I became and and then we had Guy Boucher for a couple years there in, in in Tampa where we had that you know the one three one or whatever you want to call it. Um, and listen, it, it it was it was new. It was something different. We went to the conference finals that first year, lost to Boston in Game Seven, one nothing. And he was a guy that just had all these different ideas and in different strategies. And I think it just kind of wore thin a little bit on on some guys um, as we progressed. But he was another guy that you know, I never, never really had a problem with, I, yeah. I played a lot under him and, and he enjoyed me as a player and I was still kind of young then and, you know, didn't have a lot of interaction with, with the coaches, but you know, when, when Coop took over, um, we always joked about, you know, him coming up from the minors and he, he brought all those players with him, you know, Johnson and Kalorn and Palad and, we all we used to call them Coop's troops back back in the day, <laughs> just because they all came up together. And, sure. Um, you know, joking aside, now we've been together for ten years, and like I said, it, it's just been a constant every year. You know, kind of learning together. You know, I was a young captain, he was a young coach, and you know, through trial and tribulation, we we've always had the mutual respect for each other, and the communication has always been. Um, great. So, like I said, you know, he's not going to agree with everything I do on the ice as a player. I'm, I'm not going to always agree with, you know, his decisions, but I think really the last five years, yeah. I, I've, I've seen a difference in, um, just how we interact. I mean, and, and it's not a lot, I mean, there's not a lot that needs to be, you know, said these days in, in Tampa, we know what we have to do at each and every night. And we have such a great leadership group here in, in Tampa that, you know, there's not a lot of issues, but if there is there, the communication doors have always been open between Coop and I. And I think that's a key when you have a, uh, you know, a player and, and a coach and, and a leadership group. And he's he's one for communication. And, and that's that's been a key for Coop. You, you mentioned one person uh, in that last statement, and that's Tyler Johnson. So I, I noticed that you guys presented him with his Stanley Cup ring in Chicago uh, that, that, how, what kind of feeling is that when there's a, a former guy, a guy you've been around a long time, you went to the Stanley cup final in 2015 with him as their one, one of your, one of the key guys on that triplets line. Well, what's it like to have a, a former teammate get a Stanley cup ring and you guys still have to play him that night. Yeah. It's, it's a little different, right? You, you wish you could all celebrate together in that moment when we had our ring ceremony, you almost feel bad for those guys a, a little bit because it's such a fun night and you get to reminisce and you get to watch the highlights and it sucks that they don't get to be there because they've moved on. But the least we could do is, is have something like that, uh, especially for a guy like Johnny, because he's, he grew up in this organization. Right. He was, he was such a key part in what we were established, establishing ourselves as, as the new kind of Tampa Bay lightning. And he came up and was part of, of, of that crew that came up with Coop. And, you know, you saw how he played in that, you know, that 15 run and we lost to Chicago. Sure. His role changed a little bit the past couple of years in Tampa, but that's a guy that never complained, went undrafted, came in as a small guy and just proved everyone wrong. And, mm-hmm. and just a joy to be around and to see his work ethic. So it, it's, it's pretty special you know, that you can have those little moments, even, I mean, it's five, 10 minutes, but everyone deserves that because of the role that they've played on the past couple of years. And, and when you have a guy that was around as long as Johnny, um, that's, that's the least we could do. I'm sure that's a, that's a picture that he will keep uh, much more dear than most people will. When you consider that there's that one guy with a Blackhawk t-shirt <laughs> and all, all yeah. these Tampa lightning shirts. Yeah, that's been, it's, you know what? It's it's been kind of cool because we've had a few. I think that was the last one that he was the last guy that that we hadn't played yet to to get his ring from uh, 
from last year. We've, you know, obviously had a few of the other guys that we played early in the year, but it's always, it's always fun. Listen, we still have, you know, a group text message from, you know, the, the two years, um, you know, the, the 2020 and the 2021 separate kind of messages, the guys that are on different teams, they're still on the, those messages. Really, so huh? <laughs> it's, uh, I mean, it, it is the old cliche, right? You, you win a championship, you know, you, you kind of walk together forever, but um, it, you, you do, I mean, you have that, that connection. So anytime there's something that, you know, someone reminisces or an inside joke or something like that, uh, a message will pop up and uh, it'll be a, a guy from a different team who has a memory or something. And it's just kind of cool. Well, I think it's a bond that probably will last a lifetime. Um, yeah. We got to take a break. The captain of the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning, Steve Stamkos, is uh, with us. We'll come back with more after these messages. It's McCowan, it's Shannon, and uh, Steve Stamkos is with us, the captain of the Lightning. I want to go back a couple of months. Um, well, actually, we only have to go back a couple of weeks to the uh, conclusion of the Olympics in Beijing. But you have to go back to, well, I guess, November and December while all the controversy was going on and the decision had to be made whether you go or you don't go. I wonder how you felt then about the prospect of going. And I wonder if you feel any differently now, having watched what went on in Beijing. And I mean, there were a few issues, but not so much COVID related issues. What are your thoughts? No. And I I think that was what I was expecting was the league to put up a big stink about, you know, that there's going to be all these issues and how we shouldn't go and, we as players just never felt that it was really in the cards from the beginning. And that that's the disappointing part because we agreed upon going to the Olympics in the last CBA. And that was a huge, huge point for us as players, especially with what happened at the last Olympics and not being able to go strictly on a business, you know, decision. Mm-hmm. Now COVID comes and sure there was some concerns, but I think, you know, you look at what happened in the Summer Olympics and how they went about and, and got it done. Um, I, I think as players, we just assume that, you know, there wasn't going to be any issues. If we went over there, that they were going to do what they had to do to ensure everyone was safe, that some of those, you know, five-week quarantine or all that stuff was just blown out of the water, at least in my opinion, in terms of, you know, them maybe scaring us or things like that. It just it just never felt like we had a chance and it's disappointing. And obviously maybe a little more so for myself, having never had the experience to go over and realistically knowing this was my last probably chance at, at going and, and using that as motivation this year to, to have a good start and, and to put my name back in the mix for that team Canada team. So it was, it was just disappointing. I've talked to a lot of the guys and I think they feel the same way that, we just never really felt like we we really had a chance. Well, could you have done something different in December, Stephen? I, I mean, I don't think so. I I, I think we, we we tried. I mean, realistically, you know, when I saw that, I think Connor McDavid came out and Sid came out and said they were a little, you know, we wanted to go. We were still hoping to go, but they were a little worried about, you know, what was going to transpire you know, that, that was a couple of weeks before we were supposed to have that decision. That's when it kind of started to hit home that, you know, maybe, maybe we aren't going to go, but we know how it is as, as players. I mean, it's, it's a business, right. And, and all those decisions are going to be made strictly from, from a business standpoint. I think that was one of them. The Olympics obviously is a big thing for every athlete and certainly for hockey players, but more puzzling to me has been the fact that the league has not been able to put together some kind of consistent agenda around a world cup. Um, And I think, I don't think any of us are exactly sure what's going to happen now. Although the league has implied that they're going to work on the possibility of a world cup. Where would that rank by comparison for you? Yeah, so I, I think that's where the issue lies. I, I think you will start to see a consistent World Cup moving forward, especially with what happened this year and in, in, you know, not going to the Olympics. I think they're gonna, you know, have an, a, a an, you know, whether it's every two years or every four year type of World Cup. I think that's coming. It's just obviously I've never played in, in the Olympics, but talking to a lot of friends that have gone over there, there's nothing like it. 
I played in that 2016 World Cup in Toronto. We won it. It was great. I mean, anytime you can represent your country, for me, at, at the highest level, it's the best thing in, in the world. But the highest level is the Olympics. And from talking to the guys that have done both, it, it just doesn't compare. At least in the past, you know, the 2016 World Cup to, you know, comparing it to the 2010 Olympics um, for those for those guys of the 14 Olympics in Sochi, for the guys that played in, in both, they just say the Olympics is is just a different animal. And I think as players, that's just what what they think. And that's why we want to play in the Olympics so bad. It's, okay. it, it, it's such a different animal, though, when you think about it compared to even the Stanley Cup run, you go on, you go on, you, you go on for you have to win 16 games. Uh, to win the Stanley Cup, you play 20, maybe play 28 in the playoffs. You only have to win six or seven to win the gold medal. That's the the short tournament's the nice thing. Yeah, no, it's it's just completely different. You're playing with the best players in, in the world, right? And you're representing your country and you, you have a chance to win a gold medal. And <laughs> we, we always say, and I think most players would, would agree that, you know, the Stanley Cup is the thing you, you dream of most as a kid. And then right under that is, is a gold medal. I mean, I remember watching, you know, Team Canada uh, in Salt Lake and thinking, wow, like that is, that is amazing. I, I really hope I get to experience that one day. I hope I win a Stanley Cup. And then that's, that's next on the list. And um, it's just, it's too bad how it hasn't worked out, um, you know, the past couple Olympics for us as players. I, I'm going to guess you've never been to the Winter Olympics. Is that true? That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know. Well, you John were supposed to go in 2014, but uh, you got hurt, though. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like that's that's the thing that I I mean joke about now, but like 2010 in Vancouver, I was 20. You know, I was kind of on that short list, so that was just cool to be on the short list for mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Then 14, I make the team, couldn't get back uh, in time from the broken leg, so missed right. that. You know, 18, you're thinking, okay, this is, I'm still kind of in the prime here. Um, I'll be on that team. Don't get a chance. And then this year, I didn't really, you know, not a lot of people probably had me on, on the radar, you know, after uh, the past couple of years with some of the injuries, but it was the best summer I've had in a long time and really used that as motivation to come into this season and, and thought I put myself on, on the radar again and was really excited about possibly going. And, and that's why it was just kind of, so frustrating. Are you telling me you and John Cooper never talked about that? Yeah, there was there was a conversation about that once or twice. So I'll I'll leave that in in the coach's office. But uh, <laughs> let's just say it, it would have been it would have been an amazing experience. I think even under the circumstances, um, you know, I watched some of the 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 Olympics and the athletes and and how they were interacting and competing. And I mean, it looked it looked like the regular Olympics to me. Well, this won't make you feel any better, um, <laughs> but uh, Shannon and I were in Vancouver for um, the whole shooting match for 17, 18 days, did the show from there, et cetera, et cetera. And that was my first Olympics. And, and I must tell you that you're a hundred percent right. It is different, but it's different because, and, and, the, and the intriguing thing was we saw this athletes from other sports who may or may not be aware of the other athletes around them and who they are and what they do talking bonding getting together the opportunity and i know tough for hockey players to go to other events but you occasionally you got that opportunity and you got to see all the other people around i mean it's an extraordinary social environment for that two and a half weeks and right I, I'm, I'm sorry you haven't had an opportunity to do it yeah no it's and and that's exactly what what the message is from the guys that that have gone that i've had a chance to know or play with at other team canada events is there's really nothing like the Olympics and, you know, who knows it, it, it would have been different, you know, this year too, with some of the restrictions, but you still would have been able to watch some other events and interact. I know it wouldn't have been the same as, you know, a, a Sochi or, or a Vancouver, but um, it's just, it's just completely different. It, it, it's the best athletes in, in the world competing at, at these different um, sports. And, and I think it's a once in a lifetime opportunity and, it's just too bad, you know, that we haven't been able to go the past two Olympics. Hold on. No, Italy's only four years away. Yeah. And, I mean, and you know, well, I know as well as you do that Gary Roberts will have you in perfect shape in the summertime. You'll be ready to go. Hey, I'm not, uh, I'm not ruling it out yet. 
<laughs> well, you got to survive Roberts first. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, look, at, we, we live in a, um, not to get too serious here, but for a moment, we live in a time that none of us have experienced and none of us probably ever thought we'd see um, with what is going on in, in Ukraine. Um, you have a couple of Russian teammates of great significance on your team. Um, has this been an issue? Do you guys talk? Is this kind of a verboten topic? Um, what's, what's it been like for you inside that, that room and with your teammates? Yeah, no, it's, it's definitely been, you know, an open discussion. I think it's something that needs to be talked about. Um, and especially because we do have those Russian players uh, on our team. And, and you can tell that um, it, it's been kind of weighing on them. I mean, obviously, they have nothing to do with what's going on in, in the war and in the politics between Ukraine and, and Russia. And I, I just say there's, you know, there's just some fear. I mean, they have family and friends that live in Russia and Ukraine. Mm. Uh, so it's. It can be a touchy subject, but it's something that that definitely needed to be discussed. And you know, you, you have to have you know compassion for 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 both sides and, and for the Russian players that we have. Obviously, they're very very good players in this league and, and marquee players, but they're they're quiet guys. And sometimes you don't know exactly what they're thinking or what's going on. But you could tell that that you know, obviously, no one wants you know what's going on in Ukraine to continue. And unfortunately we live in a world where social media and things, people can harass people from their basement. And it's been, uh, I, I know, you know, their agent had made a comment about, you know, some people making comments to and threats to other Russian players around the league. So it's, it's, it's a scary time for everyone that that's involved right now, but they have our support um, in, in the dressing room in, in terms of what they need to, to feel safe and for fa their families to feel safe. And it's just like you said, with, with what's gone on in the world the past three years with the pandemic and now the war, it's, it's an extremely difficult time in everyone's lives. But, um, you know, you have to show compassion to, to everyone. And for them, it's, it's been no different. Is that, a, is that a, another role of a captain? Yeah, I mean, it, it's just it, it it falls on the leadership group a little bit. It falls on the management, the coaching. That's where you have that line of communication that I was right. talking about, where you know, you you can have some ideas that come from up top that get relayed down to you know to get a feel for what's going on in in the room. And we've we've had some discussions with with management about that, and I think we've done a a pretty good job so far. Is politics a subject that that? comes up among the players a lot. I mean, you're a Canadian. I don't know, or, nor do I care whether you're a liberal or conservative or NDP. You've got American teammates, one Democrat, one Republican, maybe. Now you've got foreign players who have political views. And now you have these Russian players who have some opinion on what's going on. Is it a kind of a verboten topic in the room or do you guys discuss this stuff? No, I mean, I, I think it, it, it comes up when, especially when there's there's news about it you know whether there's an election yeah. in or, or or the states or obviously any type of political issues that's when it, it gets brought up a little more in, in the room i wouldn't say on a day-to-day -day basis no um there's there's not a lot of that but it's just certain guys are are okay talking about it there's certain guys that like to keep things private and everyone just kind of goes about we've had the same core and same group for for a long time so hmm. Guys are extremely comfortable talking about an array of, of topics with each other, but you know things usually intensify when there's there is an issue. But um, it's never gotten to to a point where there's any any sort of uh, issue or um, problem in the room between you know guys involved in politics. It's it's never gotten never gotten to that point. I got to ask you you uh, you played in your first outdoor game in the NHL in Nashville a couple of weeks. What was that like? That was one of the best experiences I've, I've had in the league, to be completely honest. It was it was amazing. It was a long time coming for us in, in Tampa. We've been begging for an opportunity to play in an outdoor game. Obviously, the logistics in Tampa are a little uh, blurry when it comes to an outdoor game being played in Tampa. But to be part of one in Nashville was, was amazing. I, I think it was probably... 
the most I've seen this group in terms of a regular season game, just have that giddiness, you know, <laughs> getting, getting to the rink. It was, uh, it was pretty amazing. I'm sure you guys have been to Nashville and have experienced uh, how great of a, a party city that can be. So the atmosphere oh, yeah. was, was amazing. Um, friends and family were there. We got to do the skate. It was a perfect night. I think it was like four Celsius outside. It was, it was perfect. We won. We had the Canadian tuxedos on. I was going to, whose idea was that? <laughs> I think it, it was a couple of us. I may have thrown it out there. Um, <laughs> and a couple of the older guys loved the idea. We had the cowboy hats, the boots. We, we went out on Broadway after the game. It was it was special. It, it, it was something that was a long time coming for not only us as players, for our fan base too. They traveled well. I mean, it felt like we had half the crowd there were, were Lightning fans. So it was, it was an amazing, amazing experience, and hopefully we we can do it again. One All of right, the reasons. So I gotta, I, can I can I just follow up? Well, yeah, as long as it's the same topic. <laughs> okay, go ahead. You go then. You go. Well, I was just gonna say I'm a couple of years older than Stamkos, um, but I'm gonna hold, hold my, on. How many? Yeah, a couple. <laughs> Um, I played outdoor hockey. Oh, Jesus. Like, he, not played with, he played not with occasionally, regularly, like every game in the early, when I was a kid, I, you played outdoors. Yeah. Have you, had you ever played a, uh, in a game on an outdoor arena? And I'm not talking pond hockey. I'm not talking about in right. the backyard where your dad made the rink. I'll bet you Nashville was your first time outside. Yeah. True? No. It, it was my first time ever wow. playing a legitimate game um, outside. I mean, like you said, you had the ponds, you had the the outdoor rinks in the backyard that that your parents made or whatever. But um, yeah, they never did any of those outdoor games. That, you know that you see them doing the World Juniors now and right. some of the college. Like they didn't have that when when I was coming. The first outdoor game was I think oh eight oh nine in the NHL. I was already in the league by then, and we hadn't got got to play in one till till now so it was it was a long time coming like i gotta tell you by the time you when you were playing minor hockey in toronto all the outdoor rinks they'd put roofs on oh yeah exactly <laughs> that's exactly what happened all those rinks that like the one at the peanut there and all those places you used to play coming out of markham yeah they used to be outdoor rinks and and they put roofs on them because to, to get more use out of them over that period of time the reason i was asking the question about the outdoor game was i had a friend of mine say sat sat on the glass and said he really finally appreciated the way victor headman controlled the game mm -hmm. and does this guy get enough credit for i mean he should win the norris he should have won the norris trophy how many times he yeah. is one of the great defensemen of our time isn't he yeah he is and and you know everyone might say i'm a little biased but to me he's the best the best overall defenseman in the game and I, and I don't think it's even really close. And that's not and that's not disrespecting any of those other, you know, you look at what Makar is going to become and Yossi and, you know, Fox. But to me, you know, maybe they should have a, a different award, maybe a Bobby Orr award for the highest scoring defenseman. And they and they give that out. But to me, the Norris is is the best overall defenseman. It shouldn't matter if, you know, a lot of the times it's to, given to the highest scoring defenseman. Right. But to me, the combination of, you know, playing 26 minutes a night, playing first power play, playing first penalty kill, being the guy out there anytime we need, um, you know, to secure a one goal lead late in a game, playing against the other team's best players. He's that guy. And, you know, he won the Smythe a couple of years ago. He does it when, you know, when it, when it matters in, in the playoffs. And he's just a horse. I mean, he's yeah. six foot six. 240 pounds and has a eight foot long reach that you can't get around. It's so frustrating in practice even. <laughs> and he's just a competitor. And I think he should have three or four Norris's by now. And I, I think it's, you know, I, I see the excitement of some of those, you know, other young, very skilled defensemen. But to, to me, if I'm starting a team right now and we're going into the Stanley cup playoffs and I need a defenseman, I'm picking him. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he that that was the the message was how how like he just controlled every move, every time the puck came into the defensive zone. He, Victor controlled the world, and that yeah. was uh, that was that's impressive. The other one I want to ask you about is you talked about Marty San Louis earlier. Do you ever imagine he'd be an NHL coach? You know what? 
I, I knew it was going to come. I didn't expect it this quick, though. And hmm. Marty and I still are in constant communication now. I spoke to him last That's week. That's tampering, you know. That's tampering. <laughs> I, I almost felt uncomfortable that I was talking to the coach of the Montreal Canadiens. <laughs> because, I mean, A, I guess that means I'm getting a little older in my career where my former teammates are now head coaches. Um, that was the first thing that, that came to my mind. Secondly, I was like, I don't think I've ever had a phone conversation with an opposing team's coach, but um, there was no tactics discussed. It was, okay. <laughs> uh, it was all how he was doing, how he was enjoying it. And he almost sounded like a little kid again with how excited he was to, to have that opportunity. And I think it surprised him a little bit with how quickly it all came together, but you know, you could tell from day one that I met Marty that he was going to be a coach one day because of how well he knows the game of hockey and how well he can communicate that. And it's no surprise that he's having the success that he's, that he's had so far. Uh, we got to go, but I, I, since we got on this topic, one, one last one from me, uh, have you thought about what you want to do after your career is over? And, and I, I think of that because of the San Luis situation. I mean, obviously a guy who, who um, aspired to be a coach and now is, and um, you had Iserman with you in Tampa, another great player who went in the different direction and became a front office guy. What about you? What do you think? Yeah, no, that's, that's a great question. I've, I've always kind of joked that even back then playing with Marty, whenever Marty was done, he was going to go coach somewhere and I just call him up whenever I'm done and, and join wherever he was at. But over the years, I think, you know, as you get older, you start to think about those things. And, and for sure. me, if you, had, if you had to ask me right now, I'd probably lean more in, into the management side of, uh, of the game. Um, that's just, you know, the feeling I have right now, hopefully a lot more years left to, to, to play and accomplish some more things. But um, I don't think people realize how difficult and how much time and effort goes into coaching now with, with the amount of video, the amount of pre-scout, the amount of, you know, there's so much work and it takes, you know, a person that is obviously very committed and dedicated to, to doing that. And Marty's always had that personality. And, and for me, I, th I think I could do it for sure, but I, I've always kind of envisioned myself if I, if I stayed in the game after I was done, I would, you know, maybe try to go the, the, the Steve Eisenman route and get into the management. So I'll, hopefully a lot of time before I have to make that decision, but that's hope so. I'd lean well, if I had to answer today. Here's the other thing, Stephen, is do what Marty did. He, he helped raise his kids for a long period of time and then went back in, right? I mean, so you, when you got a four-month-old and a four-year-old. Yeah. <laughs> no, I have a lot of time to uh, to to watch them grow up and in, in whatever, you know, they're interested in. But I, I think that was another thing that Marty taught me was, you know, the family comes first type of mentality. And, you bet. Uh, and that was something that obviously – instilled to me at a young age and saw him, you know, firsthand every day with his three boys. And now it's full circle. I got two boys. So uh, exciting times ahead. Uh, this has been most enjoyable. And I hope for you too. Um, I know John and I are thrilled to have you on the program. We, uh, we thank you very much for taking some time for us. And um, if the crick don't rise, uh, maybe we'll see you out at Goodwood or some other golf course over the course of the next yeah. summer. In the meantime, good luck with uh, uh, the pursuit of a third consecutive Stanley cup. Thanks, Steve. Yeah. No, thanks for having me, guys. Really appreciate Steven it. Steven Stamkos, captain of the Tampa Bay Lightning. Back after these messages. So we got a couple minutes left. Our thanks again to Steven Stamkos. Really a good guy and a smart guy. And um, one of the things that came up, John, in the conversation that we talked about, obviously, was uh, was the Olympics. And And I think everybody understands his disappointment, Steve's disappointment. Because he's probably right. At age 36, it's going to be a lot more difficult, maybe even impossible, for him to continue to play well enough to make the Olympic team right. four years from now. So this may have been his, well, it would eventually, ultimately, have been really the second opportunity that he's missed. Um, Sochi being the first, because mm -hmm. he couldn't get back and ready in time. And then this one because of the politics. Is he right? Do you think that things would have been fine if if the NHL players had gone to, to China? Well, I mean, 2020 hindsight, yeah, absolutely. 
Yeah. I mean, I mean, we saw it uh, with the men's tournament that Finland won the gold medal, and we saw it with the women's tournament where Canada won the gold medal. Uh, I believe there was less than a handful of players uh, uh, on any of the men's tournament teams that uh, were put into quarantine. And when they were put into quarantine, they weren't there for five weeks or six weeks. They were there for four or five days. Uh, now, there were, I, I believe, more than 300 athletes put into quarantine during the Olympics that, you know, was it was kept quiet. But certainly it was not a factor uh, at the hockey tournaments. And I, could, I, I can guarantee you there was a ton of NHL players talking to each other saying, we should have gone. We made a mistake. We trusted too many people with the word. And, and I'm sure that you could see it on Stephen's face, Bob. You could hear oh, yeah. it in his voice how disappointed he was. Well, and I confess I was wrong because I, I thought they shouldn't go. Um, yeah, but we, we didn't know, Bob. We no, didn't, I know. Who, to trust? I, who do we trust? I get it. But I thought the risk was too high that, you know, possible, possibly having to stay in a hotel room in Beijing for uh, 15 days or five weeks, mm -hmm. if somebody caught COVID, I thought the only decision the league could make was the one that they did make. And now I wish, I wish they'd gone. Well, and, and let's not just put it, this all at the foot of the National Hockey League. The Players Association, the people that ran the Players Association, uh, there's, there's enough blame to go around with them. Uh, as well with what went on and, and the fact that they didn't, the players didn't feel comfortable enough to go. Well, some of them didn't, but um, ultimately the decision was made by the national hockey league. They convinced the players association. It was the wrong move. And, um, and a decision that perhaps is regrettable, certainly for a guy like Steve Stamkos. Well, uh, we got to get out of here. We uh, thank you all for listening or watching as the case may be for John Shannon, Bob McCowan. Goodbye. everybody.